0: Fast-growing companies need the right tools, so they choose NetSuite by Oracle. Get a full picture of your business, finance, inventory, HR, customers, and more, all in one place. Schedule your free product tour right now at netsuite.com earnings. That's netsuite.com earnings.
1: A few weeks ago, we did an episode on diversity at work. In that episode, we asked listeners to email us or tweet at us with recommendations on how we could make our show more diverse. A listener tweeted at us about an element of diversity we actually hadn't even been thinking about. This is Game Plan. Hi, I'm Francesca Levy. And I'm Rebecca Greenfield. And today we're talking about how the workplace doesn't always work for people with disabilities. So the listener that tweeted at us that I mentioned at the top of the show is Gideon Goldberg, and he's actually going to be our guest leader. But he basically reached out to remind us that when we're talking about diversity, we have to be thinking about
0: disability as well. Yeah, I didn't even consider that when we were doing our diversity episode, to be completely honest. Um, So it was good to have Gideon check us on that. And then when we started doing research for this, we discovered that there's a lot to unpack, Yeah, it's a, it's a huge topic and borderline
1: overwhelming,
0: but we're going to try and get at a
1: few of the challenges for people with disabilities when it comes to the workplace.
0: And you have some stats for us, right? I got stats. I love stats. Yeah. Um,
1: these are not super happy stats. Um, there's something called the employment gap. That's a big part of the problem. So this is the rate of employment for people with disabilities compared to the rate of employment for the population at large. And that gap is way bigger in the U.S. than in most other countries. It's around 46 percent. So these are people who want to be working but can't find work. These aren't people who are being shut out of the workforce by their disability, necessarily. It's just that they're not finding work at the same rate. Um, And even when they do find work, they're not getting paid the same. There's a wage gap as well. Workers with disabilities make 64 cents on the
0: dollar. So to put that in context of other wage gaps, the gender wage gap is 80 cents on the dollar. So that yeah, is really bad, really low. And we're talking about people who are equally qualified.
1: So, for example, a disabled worker with a bachelor's degree earns almost $13,000 less a year than a non-disabled worker with a bachelor's degree.
0: That's ridiculous. Yeah. So when I think about disability in the workplace, the first thing that comes to mind is the Americans with Disabilities Act Act. Right. The ADA is the broad umbrella solution to some of these problems. So
1: um, it was made law in 1990 and it basically prohibits discrimination on the basis of disability. So the ADA is the reason why you see wheelchair ramps and accessible bathrooms, but it doesn't necessarily go far enough. So there are some small businesses that are exempt from ADA protections and you can also opt out of the ADA if Providing a certain accommodation, say an interpreter for a deaf job applicant, would cause an undue hardship. So it would basically
0: cost you too much money. And that might be the case for a lot of small businesses. And then that's just what happens when you're at work. But what about all the little things that surrounding like getting to work or being a working person? So one thing I think about is commuting. And in New York City, it's really hard to use a wheelchair on the subway. Only 92 of 425 subway stations are wheelchair accessible. So you have to just happen to live on a station that is wheelchair acceptable, accessible and then happen to be going to a job or a job interview or a meeting for work. I mean, there's just yeah. so much about it that seems very inaccessible. Yeah, it's not enough for your office to
1: have accommodations if none of the other stops on the way to your office have the accommodations that you need to do your job.
0: Yeah. And you can just see why it's harder for people who have to deal with that to
1: get jobs. And when we're talking about disability, it also goes beyond accommodation. There's obviously discrimination and bias.
0: Yeah. When I think of any wage gap or underemployment, I, I always think of bias and discrimination. And unfortunately, if you look different or talk different or walk different, there are probably going to be people who judge you based on that. And we're not the best people to speak to exactly what that feels like, but our guest today is going to help
1: us get into some of those issues. Gideon Goldberg is a software engineer at The Guardian in London. He also has cerebral palsy, which affects his movement in a few ways, from walking to writing. Welcome, Gideon. Hello. So we would love to hear, just for starters, why you decided to reach out to us
2: disability is often a thing people miss when they think about diversity. So they might think about gender and they might think about race. And then it's like, oh, oh, and maybe, by the way, disability. But then it's like, what do we do? It's so hard or the people don't know where to where to start.
0: Yeah, I definitely did not like admittedly think about that at all when we were making the episodes. So we're really happy that you did reach out to us. And like you said, we don't even know how to wrap our heads around it. So can you describe what you do and what accommodations you use every day to make your work possible?
2: Right, so I'm a software engineer, so that's not very glamorous. I mean, I just sit in front of a desk all day and use a computer, and sometimes I have a meeting. Um, (laughs) Sounds like a job. Yeah, um, and so there's only a few sort of small, I guess, accommodations that I have. I have a special chair, which is called like a saddle chair, so it makes my back very straight to help with my posture. And I have a special like hydraulic adjustable desk that I can push up and down and make sure that like uh, it's kind of all adjusted correctly. Um, So those are kind of the main things, I guess.
1: And what are some ways that you approach work differently that a non-disabled person might not think about?
2: Right, so sometimes I'll do things quietly to like deal with things that my my co-workers might never know about so we have like a quiet room um at the guardian which people use for prayer and all sorts of things but um sometimes like so the the phrase i guess is like getting tight with with the disability i have so your muscles will kind of tighten up and sometimes i'll go and lock myself in there and like do some stretches and come out so i guess you know if people didn't know they wouldn't think anything of it or they would thought i'm doing my prayers or whatever um, but like that's something i do that i sort of manage day to day that people i guess don't think about that's
0: kind of interesting it reminds me i mean it's not the same but kind of like the same disruption in your in francesca's day where she has to go <laughs> and pump which i should stop bringing up on the show yeah but it is it's interesting that like in the there's a big trend
1: toward open offices and people often call out like what about lactating women but there are all these other um, examples of times when you might need a little bit of privacy that people don't. Yeah, think about. and
2: I'm the same. Like I get a special exemption from the hot desking rule because I'm a special snowflake. But it's like one 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 thing doesn't work for everyone, right? How, and it's in,
1: so can you talk about that a little bit more? Like how would hot yeah, desking so not I,
2: work for you? Well, I guess because my desk is like height adjustable, and if I have a special chair, so if I just rocked up in any different desk every different day of the week, then. It's just not going to be like adjusted. Like I'm fine to like go to a meeting, but I wouldn't want to spend all day like in the wrong position. And I like I don't think it's a big deal. So when I move teams, what they'll do is they'll get workplace to like come and move my desk to the new location. So I'm still co-located with my team, but I'm not just in a different seat every day.
0: I think because of um, ramps and other accommodations that are made in offices that's probably what most workers are familiar with when it comes to dealing with something like cerebral palsy or another disability in the office but are there other ways that you have to think about your life differently your work life differently that are less visible like maybe when you're interviewing for a job for example
2: yeah so so I guess there's some interesting things so one of the one of the sort of interesting things with my disability is it affects my like spatial awareness and my like navigation skills. So I just don't really have a good sense of direction. So I would come out the tube station and just walk off in the not- wrong direction and not realize. Um, so yeah, technology has helped a lot with that because there's this thing called Google Maps now and it, it tells you even which way you're facing, which is a good innovation because I used to print out maps and they not really, they didn't help that much. So I orientate a lot by landmarks. Um, which is a kind of trick that I have because I'm like, oh, I can see the Starbucks, right? So I know it's like left there, but the kind of, it's an, it's an interesting thing that again is kind of hidden. Um, so, oh, you asked me a bit about uh, when you might be uh, applying or starting for a job, right? Or going for an interview. Um, so I guess generally when you do a job application, they have like a special box that says, is there any, any special needs you want to tell us about? Um, And I'll generally tick the box. And then uh, some HR person will reply. And they'll say, oh, is there anything we can do? Um, And I'm lucky I don't have a lot of special needs. I guess one thing is because I have quite rubbish hand-eye coordination. So if it's like we want to do a whiteboard test and lock you in a room and write this code on the wall, um, it would just be quite illegible. So I'll generally ask, like, can I do it on a computer? Or is there some other way I could do it? So it's not necessarily like big adjustments, but it's small things you know that'll help me get through the process.
0: Are you worried that that has ever um hindered your ability to get a job?
2: Yeah, so it's really hard to know, right? Because when you apply it's this black box. So if they didn't apply you don't you don't sort of know why. Um but like I'm definitely a kind of disclosure, right? Like I'll always say it because it's also like a sniff test. Like if they if I say it and then they don't want to talk to me, I probably don't want to work for them either. <laughs> so it's one way i i snuff things out i mean another thing is like um so both uh so i work at the guardian now and prior to that i worked at the bbc and both of them have uh some form of i guess it's called a guaranteed interview scheme so what it means is like if you meet all the criteria for the role you'll definitely at least get an interview and that's trying to bridge that gap about like oh you tick the box so you've scared them away it's like it means you at least get a look and then it encourages you to, you to disclose right because if you're like I don't want to tell them this thing and then they can't really accommodate you and and you mess up that way so it's I think a good way of making you like feel safe to disclose something and still hopefully carry on through the process
1: so uh, looking a little bit past accommodating um, some of some of the differences that disabled people have what are some experiences you've had with just straight-up discrimination or feelings of bias
2: Oh, I mean, I'm maybe like, like, I work at a very liberal newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone's really lovely. If anything, they're like almost too politically correct. Like they just don't dare to ask anything. Right. Um, so I have to bring it up. So it's like, um, it's it's almost like they're trying too hard. Really. <laughs> Generally, like, I guess, I mean, more negative experience you get out of work. So like drunk people, basically, will mm-hmm. say really stupid stuff. Or I've had like, when I, I went to a... A club night and then I'd, I'd shown my ticket to someone and I got to the door and the bouncer was like oh you can't come in and I was like what and he said oh you're drunk and oh wow I was like what and then I put on my poshest voice and I was like I am not at all inebriated <laughs> like I am quite capable of attending this establishment and then he was like oh sorry um, but like I think day to day that's the thing as long as you kind of set things up right it's not I don't think a big deal the things that you described,
1: like using a computer instead of a whiteboard or not having to hot desk, like these are such simple, easy accommodations to make. But if you haven't come out and talked about them, it seems like like somebody could assume that because your handwriting's not that great on the whiteboard, that you're going to be less good at your job. And so that can be like a subtle way that that bias influences the you know, your just your day to day at work. It seems like you probably have to do a lot of educating people.
2: Yeah, I'm really in favour of having a conversation up front. So the wording in UK is like reasonable adjustments that the employer is expected to make. But the the way I tend to approach it is like when you have that conversation, it's like, hey, we we've decided to offer you the job and I'll I'll sort of say, So that's great, here's the thing. We're gonna have to have a, a meeting and um and just talk it through. And I think as long as you Make whatever kind of needs you have clear up front. It's really not a thing. What you what you don't want is the opposite. Is like three months in and something weird happens, or they say, "Why did you go off to that room?" And you have to explain it, and it's really awkward. So I'm all for like bringing it up up front. Was there
0: some experience that you had that made you realize that you wanted to be someone who just talked about these things up front?
2: Yeah, sure. So I worked um, before this job. I worked at the BBC. Uh, on this, I uh, think it's BBC magazine site called Ouch, and that was all about like, it's like disability life and being outspoken and talking about your experiences, um, and that was maybe an extreme example because it was like an all disabled team, so it was very like embedded in us, and that's how it is. I guess it's very different from everyone's experiences, but you kind of you wouldn't want to work on that site unless you were happy talking about your your disability experience, which not everyone is, right? Some people, they don't want it to be a thing. They They'd rather not talk about it, and they definitely don't want it to be the thing that, that defines them, you know?
1: Was that sort of refreshing? Like you didn't have that that people trying too hard political correctness thing because everybody was just sort of out and open and comfortable talking about this stuff?
2: Oh, yeah, it's it's such a difference. And it's, you know, it's that, that feeling when you're with people that you feel comfortable with and you can just shoot the breeze.
1: Well, there's a program in the UK called Access, is it called Access to Work? Right. Um, can you just explain a little bit what that is and how that's helped you?
2: Sure. So that's a scheme and it's run by the UK government. So when you when you get offered a job, um, you can call a hotline and say, hey, I've been offered a job. And they'll come and assess you and you can describe what additional needs you might have. And that, that could be anything. So for me, it's like, I need a special chair, but it could be like, I need a sign language interpreter for my meeting, or I need a taxi to get to this office. Um, And the idea is that the government will cover all those extra costs so that it's completely cost neutral for the employer. So they shouldn't have to face that decision of like, oh, we'd really like to employ you, but it's going to just be too expensive.
0: Right. Also, does having it through a third party make it a little bit less of an uncomfortable conversation?
2: Oh, yeah, you don't even need to have the conversation. So the, the thing is like they'll have like an independent assessor who comes out and meets you and writes a report. And then basically the employer has to sort of implement it and the costs are covered. So you have that kind of third party who's not like you don't have to go to your line manager and say you have this really awkward conversation about. So, you know, that you offered me this job. It's going to be really expensive for you.
1: What would be some things that it sounds like you're really gregarious and outgoing and happy talking to people And kind of giving letting them know what's up about your disability. But what would what would be some advice um, for non-disabled people who want to be more accommodating or more understanding in the office around their disabled colleagues who might not want to spend all this time educating them?
2: Right. So I think it's really not rocket science. Just definitely talk to them like you'd talk to anyone <laughs> else. Um, so don't don't patronize them and treat them like they're five years old. Or if they have like a PA or an interpreter or someone working with them, don't talk to that person. Talk to them directly, right? Because they're quite capable of telling you what they, what they need, right?
1: And it sounds like also maybe just don't make assumptions, right? You were describing somebody assuming you were drunk or, you know, somebody might think that, there's a reason be- besides your disability that you're doing something differently. And it's right. like, just so,
2: ask. Yeah, definitely ask up front. So there was an interesting case. So there's someone I know who's deafblind and she'll often go to conferences and they're like, hey, we got you. We got you an interpreter. Everything's great. And actually, she doesn't read sign language, right? Like she uses mm. hearing aids and her needs are completely different. But like if they just asked up front, it wouldn't have been a thing.
0: Do you ever get frustrated?
2: Do you mean like with my how people treat me? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You just
0: sound so like, yeah, upbeat, <laughs> accepting. People
2: always say I'm very enthusiastic personality. So maybe that comes across. Trust you, I have, you know, I have down times as well, but maybe not so much in the office. And I, you know, I try not to swear at people. Sometimes I swear at the compiler because the software doesn't work, but I try not <laughs> to be angry at people.
1: So I guess just to wrap up, what are some of the little things or the big things that you just wish non-disabled people would take the time to think about?
2: So definitely in terms of things that employers could do. Like I was asking around to my disabled friends before I came on here, like, what should I, what should I tell them? What are the top tips? And the big thing that came up was flexible working is huge, right? So you might be someone... um, So my brother recently employed a developer and like he had really bad applicants and this guy was by far the best and then he said oh by the way you know i need to work from home because i have this like health condition and it it wasn't something my brother had thought about but he was fine with it and it's worked out like really well but sometimes you have to be a bit accommodating in terms of allowing that so things like allowing people to work part-time or allowing people to work from home or work unusual hours that might suit their their needs is a, a really great thing you can do um, I mean another thing bigger employers have started doing is like disability staff forums, so you might have that you might have thought about that for say people of a certain gender or LGBTq people, but you could also do that for disabled people and like not everyone's into that, um, but for the people who are, it gives them like a place to network and and meet each other and share experiences um, and yeah, like I said earlier having like a quiet space or somewhere where people can go that's not part of the open plan environment is useful for lots of reasons, not just for disabled people, but it it helps them out as well.
1: Thank you so much for coming on and talking to us.
2: Thanks, it's my pleasure. I'm a big fan of the show.
1: It's incredible to me how flexibility around schedules is the answer to so many issues people have with balancing their lives with work.
0: Yeah, I mean, we just had a whole episode about this.
1: Yeah, we talk about it for working families. We talk about it for just making life easier for people who are busy or who have, you know, long commuting schedules. And it also turns out that it can be a big solution for people with disabilities to enable them to have more flexible
0: schedules. Yeah, and it's like, so that is a very a modern idea, right? Like, flexible schedules is a one way to modernize the office, but then the other ways that the offices have modernized instead, it turns out, can actually be harmful to some people. I was really surprised by that. Um, so he mentioned hot desking, which, if people don't know, is a new fad, especially in engineering, technology worlds, where you can come in and sit at any desk. Right. Um, and, yeah, and for somebody who needs some special accommodations, like, it's a problem and then they can't participate in this new thing. I mean, Gideon was okay with it, but I was like kind of annoyed on his behalf. Yeah. And the open
1: office, which people have complained about for lots of different reasons, but it's just another thing that you don't think about that can exclude people who need a private space for accommodating their work. Mm -hmm. Gideon is someone who is clearly very open just coming out and saying what he needs from people. And I, I was just struck by two things. One, how you really don't have to do that much in a lot of cases like being aware that it's not going to be easy for everybody to do a whiteboard test for software engineers and just like letting them set up at a computer it's it's not that hard it doesn't cost companies a lot of money it's just you have to know you have to know to do it and so Gideon happens to be somebody really comfortable just coming out and saying this is what I need but the other thing he pointed out that was important to remember is not everyone's going to be that open, but you can just ask.
0: Yeah, it's it's unfair to think that everyone's going to be as gregarious and open and, and accommodating, frankly, as Gideon. So, yeah, some yeah. of it's on us. It seems to me that the takeaway
1: is you, you don't have to be as worried about offending somebody as you think by just asking what would make it easier for you to like, how can I accommodate you um, in working or in interviewing for this job? And now it's time for half big takes.
0: Half-baked
1: takes. You can tweet us your half-baked takes or call us at 212-617-0166 and leave a voicemail and we might play your half-baked take on the show. Today's listener half-baked take is a live one from our colleague, Lisa Fleischer, who's an editor in our London Bureau. Welcome, Lisa. Hello. Please give us the half-baked take that you flew all the way across an ocean to share with us. Yes, I flew here to tell you about how you should clean up after yourself in the office bathroom. Go on. So picture this. You're in a bathroom and you lean over the sink counter to check your makeup or your contacts or whatever, and then all of a sudden your stomach is just completely soaked. Oh, my God. I'm oh my so God. familiar yes. with, this, been there with the shirt, that stripe of moisture yeah. on the shirt from leaning against the counter. Sick.
0: And you're like, how did all this water get here? So what I have to say is that... When you're washing your hands, you should just take the paper towels
1: that you're drying your hands with, anyways, and just wipe up that water around the sink on the sink counter. This is a really good PSA, I think, because I feel like people don't treat water like a mess. Like you think if you spill yes, water, I don't treat you water don't like, don't, like a mess. You don't have to clean it up because yeah. it's just water. It's just going to dry. It's not going to stain anything. But water is a mess, people, and it causes wet shirts, which look <laughs> dumb in the office. So clean it up. Yeah, that's so
0: true. Great,
1: happy take. Thank you. Becca, what is your not fully formed thought that you feel really strongly about anyway?
0: This is inspired by me going to a soul cycle class at 7 in the morning oh, on Monday. Oh wow. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> Pat myself on the back. Um I've decided that working out before work defeats the purpose of working out. I love this. I Hear love that me you out. went to a morning soul cycle <laughs> class and took away something negative from yeah. it. Well, it was very fun, but Okay, so you work out so that you can be in shape, right? And, you know, maybe lose a little weight and also maybe have a little more energy. Sure. Mm -hmm. Yep. Or stay in shape. When you work out in the morning, you have that energy, but you're very tired from waking up early and you're also hungry all day. So you're either eating all day more than you would normally would so it's like why did i even bother working out or i'm trying not to eat to be like normal me so i'm so distracted by eating that it cancels out all the energy i have and i can't concentrate on work
1: yeah people are always like i work out in the morning because working out in the afternoon means you get too many excuses and you're too tired to do no. it everyone's so
0: pro working out in the morning but no anti i love a good 6 p.m yoga class
1: what about you lisa morning workouts Uh, I would sign up for morning workouts and constantly miss them because I was just like, I cannot get up.
0: Too tired. Attention all gyms. Cancel your morning classes. Cancel it. It was very full. Don't cancel it, but it's not for me. What is your not fully formed thought that you'd like to share, Francesca? Um, My half
1: big take is that Tuesdays are a nightmare for me personally. So I have a sample size of one for this study I've done on Tuesdays, but That's the right
0: sample size for a half (laughs) big day.
1: All through my working life, Tuesdays have always been a problem. So it's not just this job because we have Tuesdays for us are like a very podcast heavy day. We have to write the newsletter. We have to do a bunch of like production stuff on the podcast because the podcast comes out on Wednesday. So Tuesdays happen to be a busy day for us. But Tuesdays have always been a busy day for me. There was there was a period of my life in my 20s. You're going to be surprised where I was like very fit and into exercise. And I used to do a 7 a.m. yoga class every Tuesday. So it made my day very long and hungry. I used to have therapy in the evenings on Tuesdays. So, okay, again, this is me. So I'm trying to universalize this. But I do think there's something about Tuesdays where people think I'm not going to schedule something on a Monday because everyone's just coming back from the weekend. But it's important. So it should be kind of early in the week. So stuff just like lands on Tuesdays. And just thinking about Tuesdays gives me stress. Tuesdays are always like you have to be on it on Tuesdays. Tuesday is a very unexamined day. Because Wednesday they call
0: hump day, right?
1: Right. And Mondays, it's just, you know, you got the Mondays. Fridays are I feel like Francesca has a half-baked take for every day of the week. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> we could do a Monday through Friday series. But, um, yeah, listeners, let us know how you feel about Tuesdays. Because I, I want I want some support on this half-baked take. Because Becca's giving me a look. Anyway, this has been Half-Baked Takes. Half-Baked,
0: half-baked Takes.
1: Thanks for listening to
0: Game Plan. You can find me on Twitter, at Francesca Today. And I'm at RZ Greenfield, and you can tweet us your half-baked takes or call in at 212-617-0166. If you like Game Plan, please go over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen.
1: Um, Subscribe, rate, and especially review. We love reading reviews, and it really helps get the
0: word out about our show. And if you like this show, you might like Odd Lots, another Bloomberg podcast about oddities in the market.
1: And if you just want to hear more from us, subscribe to our newsletter at Bloomberg.com slash newsletters. This podcast was produced by Liz Smith and Magnus Hendrickson. Head of podcasts is Alec McCabe. See ya. Bye.